listening to SBS On The Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. Hi everyone, it's your daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Wednesday, the 22nd of February 2023. First to wages, where the wage price index rose 0.8% for the December quarter to be up 3.3% for the year. That's the highest in about a decade, but well below the rate of inflation at 7.8%. For more, I spoke earlier with Paul Bloxham. He is the Chief Economist at HSBC. A downside surprise for the market, for the RBA, for ourselves actually. It's the case that the labour market's very tight, but wages growth is still picking up pretty gradually in the scheme of things. A 3.3% headline rate for wages growth uh, is something that the RBA actually should still be pretty comfortable with. Wages growth of 3 to 4% is what they've been looking for. So this is not actually, this is actually quite a good result. But as you say, it was a downside surprise. So it should take the pressure off the RBA to feel the need to have to deliver a lot more tightening from here. We'll go into that in a, in a few more details. The RBA says that it's pretty worried about the potential of a wage price spiral. Are we seeing any evidence of that at all? Now, these figures help to sort of allay the risk, as it were, that we are we could get a prices wages spiral, as the RBA has been describing it. That would be one where the high inflation starts to lead workers to demand higher wages and then they get those higher wages, and then that starts to impact on prices as well. These numbers certainly should uh, allay the fears that that is already getting going. It doesn't seem to be getting going yet. Okay, but we hear so much anecdotal evidence of some organisations paying huge pay rises, paying um, huge sign-on bonuses to attract talent. What are you seeing? Is that reflected here, or do we have to wait for other data to confirm that? These numbers contain a measure that includes bonuses as well, and and that measure actually slowed down a bit as well into the fourth quarter of last year. And so you're right, there's a lot of anecdotal evidence out there. In fact, the RBA's own business liaison program that they reported to us uh, a couple of weeks ago was telling us that wages growth was picking up and and, and that that was an element of it. But these figures, these are the broad-based survey numbers. They're showing that there is a bit less momentum than was expected. What does this mean then for the rising cost of living? Because consumers aren't necessarily seeing their um, wages keep up with inflation. This is certainly a challenge. Households face an environment where inflation is running well ahead of wages growth. So that's squeezing their their real wages, the ability for them to spend. At the same time, of course, as interest rates are rising too, house prices are coming down. Uh, This is a pretty challenging environment for the household sector as a whole. But you've got to keep in mind that that will also likely slow the economy down and then slow down inflation too. This is the way the mechanism works in terms of getting inflation to come back to where it is and needs to be. And in the more immediate term, if real wages are going backwards, isn't it enough to convince the RBA to halt its rate rise moves? This is certainly something the RBA should take a lot of notice of. The fact that wages growth is not picking up as quickly as they expected it's, there are limited signs of a price wages spiral at this point in time. Um, we think the RBA will still be quite focused on inflation and that we should expect that they probably will lift rates again. But I think these, this information tells us that a pause for the RBA hiking cycle should come fairly soon. That is Paul Bloxham there from HSBC. 
We are heading through profit reporting season. Uh, one of the companies posting today was Flight Centre. It saw a loss for the half year of $18 million. That is an improvement, though, as travellers return despite higher airfares, although there are signs those airfares may start coming down soon. For more, Raina Bosch spoke with Flight Centre CEO Graham Turner. Flight Centre Travel Group is on the way back to um, to probably pre-COVID, but we've still got a fair way to go. Um, you know, um, in different countries, the airline capacity, you know, the seats available, uh, particularly on international routes and particularly out of Australia, are still a fair way behind, um, you know, pre-COVID levels, which means airfares are more expensive, um, harder to get seats on certain routes, um, even at uh, relatively high prices. So there's still plenty of challenges, but... Um, yeah, we've seen since the uh, borders have reopened, um, we've seen a consistent month-to-month um, -month, uh, improvement in our results. And, uh, you know, we're between our corporate and leisure business, we're back to probably close to, um, um, you know, about 85 to 90% of pre-COVID TDV. Uh, but we've still got a fair way to go, as I said before. And what are you seeing in terms of flight availability and capacity limits? Have they returned to pre-pandemic levels yet? No, it's not. Particularly out of Australia, New Zealand, we're still um, we're still at about, uh, I believe, at about seventy percent, excluding the Chinese carriers. Now they're coming back in um, as we speak, uh, so we expect overall capacity back by by June by something to about. This is international, about eighty-five, ninety percent. So. Uh, and certainly by Christmas, those numbers still down a little on pre-COVID. Um, and every geography, every country, it varies a little bit. Domestically in Australia, um, depending on who you ask, it looks like we're back to about 95%. Um, but airfares are still, as you know, uh, generally 25 to 35% higher than pre-COVID. Well, we know some airlines are holding back in terms of boosting their capacity limits. Are they justified in doing that? And who are the worst offenders? Look, um, some are, but it is a competitive industry. And, for example, um, whether it's Asian carriers, as they come back, uh, they won't be holding back capacity. Uh, the Middle Eastern carriers are a bit of a mixed bag. Emirates has come back quite strongly. Qatar, which is... a one of the Middle Eastern airlines uh, wants more capacity into um, into Australia, and um, you know all they need are the rights to to fly here, and they'll bring back more capacity. Whereas some of the other airlines, uh, particularly the home carriers, whether that's um, Air New Zealand or Qantas, you know, they um, I, I did read that Alan Joyce said that um, they've brought back more capacity than some of the overseas carriers, uh, but. They probably don't want um, too much competition too quickly um, and because obviously they've got a lot of um, missed opportunities to recover over this period. And uh, uh, a post-COVID period probably for the average airline only happens once in a lifetime. So uh, there will be, they will be taking advantage of that and that's probably fair enough. Well, Graham, we've seen the impact of inflation. Costs are rising. People are struggling. Are households perhaps putting off travel as a byproduct of that? That's a good question. Um, we're not seeing it generally yet. Uh, there's a lot of demand. As a matter of fact, we're struggling to cope with the demand because 
we're still uh, relatively short-staffed in some areas. Um, but bear in mind, particularly international travel, um, it's not particularly discretionary. Um, people who want to travel uh, internationally generally are mid to higher income people. So um, probably the inflation hasn't hurt them uh, as much as, as, as the lower income um, sector. So uh, we're not seeing that yet, but, um, you know, depends on how long this inflation continues and uh, what, what the, the impact, when it starts impacting, you know, the, the uh, middle, more middle uh, income earners, uh, we'll just have to see. We're, we're reasonably confident that um, generally people will continue to travel either domestically, um, but, you know, to see relatives or, or, uh, or, or to holiday, but particularly internationally holiday and business. Uh, I, I don't think um, it doesn't appear that this high inflation and the uh, particularly lower income people, the way they might be hurting is impacting things at the moment anyway. Finally, Graham, if we can just turn our attention to cruise lines, uh, they have been massively impacted by COVID and many people were seen to boycott them in the early days of the pandemic. How are you seeing their recovery go? Yeah, well, um, you ask about cruising and what, one of the things to remember about cruising, it tends to be an older demographic um, and they tend to book a long way ahead. Uh, in Flight Centre, which um, our, our leisure business is about $11 billion, um, cruising has become an in- increasing part of that over the last uh, three or four months as people look um, well out into the future. As I said, uh, late, you know, a lot of bookings for 24 and 25 now. And I think people assume that everything will be back to normal from a COVID point of view but when they, when they go cruising. So, um, it might have affected things, uh, in the last, you know, six or eight months, six or eight, 12 months ago. But now the confidence seems to be back in cruising from what we're seeing anyway. That was Raina Bosch speaking with the CEO of Flight Centre, Graham Turner. Now to the Australian share market, which did fall today by 0.3% on the ASX 200, 7,314. For more, I spoke earlier with Mark Gardner from Macro Capital. Obviously, this time of year, we're very focused on individual company earnings. Um, but outside that, we obviously had a weak offshore lead from the US, which was largely driven by one and two year bond yields reaching, uh, sort of breaching those November highs from last year, which is the highest level they've been since 2007. Um, so obviously making investors fairly nervous as uh, it's sort of starting to raise the peak uh, or the terminal rate in, um, in interest rates. We uh, also had wage inflation numbers today and the RBNZ went by 50 as expected. Um, so that wage inflation number was slightly lower, um, which probably gave a, a small pause to the selling uh, pressure that was sort of going on earlier in the morning. Uh, in terms of that wages data, it's another piece of the puzzle for where interest rates will go here in Australia. What's the market now thinking? I think that that was, it was very unexpected being slightly lower. It was still up 0.8, but um, we've got an unemployment rate here at 3.7% at the moment. Um, you know, ideally, the RBA will probably want the, you know, the employment rate back, you know, firmly in the fours. And um, otherwise, we are just going to we are going to have wage inflation down the line. Um, and, you know, wage inflation generally is a laggard to uh, consumer inflation. And I would expect the pressure on household budgets at the moment to uh, really put pressure to, on people to go and you know, approach their boss for, for more wages. 
Speaking of household budgets and pressure, we had lots of profits out today. The two I want to focus on for now are two food-related businesses. One, Woolworths, which the market liked. Then there's Domino's, which investors punished. Why? This really was a clear um, sign that household budgets are being constrained. We had Domino's. Um, a lot of customers basically uh, have chosen to pick up, which is a much lower uh, margin part of their business. And um, and they also had inflation for mozzarella and, um, and you know, rising costs for all of their inputs, basically. Um, they had repeat store sales down. And um, and obviously that plays into Woolworths because we had uh, an 2.4% increase in food sales, even though there was food inflation. Because people are obviously, you know, choosing to eat at home and uh, and save that money because mortgage pressure, um, you know, rising fuel costs and um, you know and and other inflationary pressures are putting real really tight constraints on the household budgets. Which other profits caught your attention today? Santos was one uh, worth noting. Um, Santos is Australia's largest gas um, or one of Australia's largest gas producers um, and exporters. Um, large operations in uh, Asia-Pacific region. Um, they had a bumper report. Uh, profits of, um, were up about 200% plus. They were able to increase their dividend by 80%. Shares are only up about 3% uh, on the back of that. It just, this is just due to the natural gas prices, uh, which have fallen 51% uh, since the start of 2023 on that uh, mild European winter. So obviously going forward, um, you know, that's a huge decrease in the underlying commodity that uh, Santos is selling. So the outlook was very important there in terms of, um, you know, how they're going to go going forward. We're well and truly halfway through proper reporting season. What do you see as the key themes? It was always going to be hard to live up to investors' expectations. We had a, you know, six and a half, seven percent rally there in January. Um, and we had a lot of big companies like CBA, um, you know, for instance, uh, trading at really stretched uh, profit or, um, earnings ratios. So you know, they really had to deliver like extraordinary results and a great outlook to maintain those prices. CBA's result and a, and a number of the retailers like Nick Scarley, JB Hi-Fi, etc., all released you know, in line with expectations or slightly better than um, expected results. However, the outlook, obviously, uh, for the retail sector on those constrained budgets um, and, you know, CBA probably not going to be writing the same amount of uh, new loans going forward is really going to dim their outlook overall. So, uh, obviously, we had sort of sell-offs um, in, a, in a lot of those stocks just on the back of forward expectations. We're well and truly halfway through proper reporting season. What do you see as the key themes? The sectors we're leaning towards um, are mainly energy, healthcare, and uh, and obviously now with interest rates, um, corporate bond rates around seven percent mark, triple uh, A um, bonds are around the four to five percent mark. For the first time in about fifteen years, you've actually got the opportunity to go into risk-free assets, which actually yield um, you know a decent amount. So obviously outside that, we're looking at companies with really strong management. Um, 20% of the ASX 200 um, has never operated outside of a zero interest rate environment. So experience in management is going to be really key there for them to be able to you know, maintain and navigate this period uh, with higher interest rates. Um, similarly, about 20% are not profitable either. So it's not a situation where um, company can come hat in hand anymore and ask for cap raises at zero, when you know zero, at zero interest rates. So management is going to be very key, and obviously companies, you know, some, you know, tech companies or um, all the like with a competitive advantage or a you know a moat as we call it, um, will do quite well because they'll obviously be uh, fairly immune to uh, inflation pressures.
Mark Gardner there from Macro Capital. This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decision. Yeah.